Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Every two weeks, Steve and Clem bring you brief investment insights you may not find anywhere else. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here are Steve and Clem. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Skeptic's Guide to Investing, Steve and I are going to discuss how the horrible violence between Israel and Hamas could affect oil prices. As I'm sure you know, a large proportion of the world's oil export trade originates from the Persian, also known as Arabian Gulf. Countries such as Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, and Qatar. Whenever there's a Middle East regional geopolitical conflict, there's always going to be a serious concern about Gulf oil supply disruptions. In the current situation, the grave risk to oil markets would seem to be that of Iran's becoming more of a direct party to the conflict. We've seen that the U.S. has already killed Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps troops in its recent bombings of small weapon sites around Syria. Clem, what's your take? Steve, I'd agree with you 100%. Of course, should Iran or its proxy Hezbollah attack major Israeli or U.S. targets, uh, then Israel and the United States would probably bomb Iranian oil facilities or oil tankers. But I think that kind of kinetic warfare scenario is actually less likely than the U.S. and other Western powers reimposing sanctions on Iran's oil exports. You might remember that the West had sanctioned Iranian oil exports for many years, but then dropped those sanctions when Iran agreed to suspend or slow down its nuclear program development. If Iran becomes an active combatant, you'll see countries reimpose those sanctions uh, within hours. Of course, we all know that Iran has some other big customers for its oil, namely China and India. However, the US and Europe can make it difficult for China and India to buy Iranian oil uh, through one of, through the use of secondary sanctions. Thus, we can expect that reimposition of sanctions on Iran could produce a really sharp price spike in oil. Of course, the history of oil markets suggests that sharp price spikes often quickly dissipate within days, weeks, uh, or months. Uh, just how quickly the price spike dissipates would depend on the course of the conflict, as well as the extent to which other oil exporters, such as Saudi Arabia, decide to ramp up output. It would also depend on demand factors. On the one hand, the world economy is still growing, even if China isn't growing as fast as it has done in the past. On the other hand, uh, widespread use of electric vehicles or EVs, uh, as well as greater recycling of plastics, which have a high oil content. Uh, are pulling down a uh, demand growth. Yeah, if, if we just take a step back, from a U.S. economic standpoint, it's worth noting that the world doesn't really have a single oil market. We see on CNBC two main prices for oil, WTI, West Texas Intermediate, and Brent, North Sea. Each of these is priced in U.S. dollar, which adds to the degree of complexity. The oil traded on the exchanges must meet some characteristics consistent with other barrels from the West Texas area. 
The terms people use for describing the oil are sweet versus sour or heavy versus light. The different characteristics will be easier for companies to refine the oil into diesel, unleaded gas, or heating oil. On the one hand, the Gulf exports a large majority of its crude oil to refineries in Asia-Pacific countries, some to European and virtually none to North America. On the other hand, the three North American countries, U.S., Canada, Mexico, sell oil to each other refineries and together are pretty much self-sufficient. While oil prices from different parts of the world loosely track each other, North American energy independence means the U.S. oil consumers might feel less impact from any potential oil, Gulf oil shock than Asian consumers might. Now, one big reason for North American energy independence is fracking. From 60 to 70% of U.S. oil output is now produced with the help of fracking. The current conflict in the Middle East could be the first big test as to how well North American energy independence helps U.S. consumers. So, Steve, we have a question from our mailbag. Uh, do you have any energy stocks in your current portfolio? And I'll answer that first. Uh, I have one energy stock in my on my personal watch list. That's Schlumberger, though I no longer own it. My investment process looks longer term. It tends to avoid stocks which embed sizable bets on the prices of energy or other commodities. I know enough about oil markets to say that oil prices are unpredictable and volatile. Uh, Schlumberger, that's SLB, uh, is the ticker, is interesting because it provides oil and gas field equipment and services, including for fracking. Its, re its revenues are really more leveraged to volumes of oil and gas produced than they are to the prices of that oil. But there are many companies and many other industries that have revenues with more sustained and rapid growth. So while it's on my watch list, uh, it's not in my current portfolio. Steve, what about you? Yeah, um, currently we like to hold a market weight in every sector and our positions are equally weighted. So with 40 names, each position is about two and a half percent. Currently, I hold three energy stocks in our portfolios, Chevron, BP, and LNG. We believe in being sector neutral. So if the benchmark is three to five percent energy, we typically hold one to two of our 40 names in energy. I believe CBX is one of the best run integrated oil companies in the world. CBX is also doing a good job tapping of various wells, which lowers the emissions of natural gases. They are also working on many replacements for carbon-based energy. LNG is a natural gas play, and it is one of the leaders of the space. BP is in our portfolio because of the yield. And it has been priced very well because of the uncertainty around Europe and Ukraine. When the situation is resolved, it will probably see a nice move on that news. Clem, I am struck by how the violence in Gaza has not gotten the market's attention. It feels like the market doesn't care 
about human tragedy. These feelings cause me to wonder if we're focused on the numbers at the expense of our emotions. We can be calculating, but can we also be caring? How do you mix your data with qualitative factors like this? So my process uh, starts off with quantitative and structure, and then I look at every stock that falls out from that process uh, to see if it uh, it really makes sense. If there's really you know maybe some kind of qualitative uh, risk involved. So for example, I try to avoid stocks uh, in conflict-torn regions. I try to avoid stocks uh, that are in you know, intrusive, economically intrusive authoritarian uh, dictatorships or regimes. Uh, I try to avoid stocks that have uh, exposures, uh, even, even if they're not located in those areas or headquartered in those areas, have significant exposures uh, to those particular markets. So yeah, I, I do I do apply, I think, a common sense qualitative judgmental standard. Uh, you can call it emotion. Uh, you can also call it common sense. And I just think it's, uh, you know, if you're trying to protect against downside, I think it's it's common sense to, uh, you know, to apply a qualitative filter uh, to your stock picking as, as I have done. Yeah, it's just hard. Don't you think Clem with the meetings between Z and Biden in San Francisco? Uh, it's hard to tell sometimes whether people are hardening in their positions or becoming more democratic in their, uh, implementation of capitalism. Well, one thing's for sure, Steve, you and I are going to have a discussion about China. Uh, on a future podcast, uh, where we can uh, we we can certainly talk these things through. I mean, China is probably worth several podcasts uh, to discuss uh, all the issues and uh, all the the misimpressions that uh, that are out there in the market. Uh, uh, I might have to make two or three different uh, China episodes. <laughs> yeah. um, so let me just summarize our current uh, our current. Uh, situation and views on um, the Gaza and oil prices. So our takeaways are these. First, the situation looks to be isolated now between Hamas and Israel. Uh, secondly, direct involvement by Iran could lead to an oil price shock. Three, understanding uh, your exposure to energy and to international risks is critical. And fourth, there will always be surprises but we try to limit their damage uh, with good planning. So our next episode, Steve, is going to cover the, the uh, conviction of SBF, that's Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, of FTX, uh, the, the bankruptcy of FTX, and in general, uh, the crypto markets. It's going to be called SBF and crypto, not just an isolated case. Please join us for another spirited discussion. Thanks for checking in, and uh, we hope you will uh, like, share, and follow us on the various platforms. Um, and we look forward to getting together with you again soon. Thanks.
The views shared on this podcast represent the personal investment views of the hosts. They are for educational purposes and not meant to be taken as investment advice. Listeners should consult their own investment, legal, and tax advisors. Past performance of any investments is not a guarantee for future return. 